You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A with Lane Grindle. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 122 of Brewers on Tap. Lane Grindle with you from the Raleigh-Durham airport uh, the day after the Carolina League All-Star Game. We'll have a little bit more on that later on in the show. But the Brewers, 3-3 three and three this past week since we last talked. A win over the Cubs, 1-0 on Wednesday afternoon to take that series two games out of three. Then a blowout victory over the Phillies on Friday night. The Phillies coming back and winning back-to-back games Saturday and Sunday. The Pirates taking Monday's game in Pittsburgh. But the Brewers with a one-run, 3-2 victory over the Pirates on Tuesday night for a 3-3 record for the week. They still remain a half game up in the NL Central over the Chicago Cubs. The Brewers getting a tremendous performance yet again from Freddie Peralta, who was called up to make his third start of his career against the Pirates on Tuesday night. He went six scoreless innings. He struck out seven. Peralta looking very much like the Freddie Peralta that made his debut on Mother's Day back on May 13th in Colorado. So a good, good outing from Freddie Peralta, Dan Jennings, and Jeremy Jeffress, and Corey Knable covered the last three innings for the Brewers. And again, the Brewers sitting at 43 and 29 overall and still sitting in first place in the NL Central. We told you we're here in North Carolina making our way back to Milwaukee. It was a Carolina League All-Star game last night for the Carolina Mudcats. They hosted it, had a chance to take in that game, four Mudcats playing in that game. We're going to have more on what we saw and what transpired coming up when we check in on the farm. Here's some of the other things that are coming up on the show today. We're going to go inside the clubhouse with Brent Suter. What a season Brent Suter's putting together, not just on the mound, but on the plate. We're going to talk to him about his hitting prowess and about his acting skills. So much to talk about with Brent Suter, such an interesting guy, including his love of crossword puzzles. That's coming up. We're going to go inside the numbers on Sabermetrics 101, talking with Jesus Aguilar, talking about Jesus Aguilar, I should say, and some of the numbers he's put up since he's become more of a regular in the lineup at the end of April. Some interesting numbers on Jesus Aguilar. Another big night from him last night. He drove in all three of the Brewers' runs, a two-run home run and an RBI double. These numbers coming before that big impact from Jesus Aguilar on Tuesday night against the Pirates. So we will go inside the numbers on Jesus Aguilar on Sabermetrics 101. We're going to check in on the farm, as we already told you. The Biloxi Shockers, first-half champions in the South Division of the Southern League. Zach Brown nearly threw a perfect game for the Shuckers in what was the clincher 
for Biloxi. And we're going to take a look at how all the different All-Stars did in their respective All-Star games. Uh, whether it's the Midwest League or in Double A with the Southern League, the uh, Southern League All-Star Game on Tuesday night as well. And the Brewers had a bunch of prospects playing in that one, including Zach Brown, who we just mentioned, Corey Ray, Troy Stokes, a couple of the other names in that one. So uh, we'll take a look at those results also. And we're going to sit down with the manager of the Carolina Mudcats, who actually managed the South squad in the Carolina League All-Star Game, Joe Aralt will join us as well on the podcast. Then we'll see what's coming up before we say goodbye. So a lot coming your way on the podcast today. Sit back and enjoy it. Let's go into the clubhouse with the crazy lefty for the crew. Uh, I don't consider myself a platoon player right now. I'm still early in my career. I feel like I'm an everyday player. And uh, in 2015, when I got the opportunity to hit against lefties, I did a pretty good job. It's different for everyone. Um, I think every, every hitter has their own plan. But whatever your strong suit is, that should be your plan. Uh, but once I got up, I, it was a little bit of a mentality. It, was, uh, it wasn't pitching to my strengths. It was trying to pitch to the hitter's weaknesses. And that's where guys get caught up in uh, trying to do too much. Now for the clubhouse conversation. Brewers on tap continues with Brewers lefty Brent Suter. I should say Brewers left-handed hitter. Brent Suter, you uh, you used the term on Friday night that you're pretty locked in at the plate right now. How did you get to that point? Um, I think it's just like a confidence thing. Uh, once I kind of got a couple hits off some good pitchers like you, Darvish, and Corey Kluber, it kind of just gave me confidence. Like, oh, I can hit these guys, you know, um, as long as I just like stay within myself, not try to do too much. Uh, I put the bat on the ball, make put it in play, good things will happen. So, yeah, it's more of a confidence thing, but I'm also seeing the ball well. My swing feels good. So it's a combination of things. Your first at bat against Arietta on Friday night, the one where you eventually got hit in the foot, your first couple of swings at his fastball, you had good cuts. Did, did, did you sense that too? Yeah, uh, there were good pitches to hit. I was just a little bit late on him. But, uh, yeah, I, I definitely felt like I was close to getting it kind of in the opposite field down the line because I, I was getting, getting the barrel to it. It was just a little late. But, uh, yeah, I felt good. I, I was seeing his ball well. You're pitching the ball very well right now too, which is, of course, still your primary role, <laughs> even though we have fun with your, with your success that you're having currently at the plate. What what have you found? Your velocity's up a tick or two from where it was a year ago. What have you found that's helping you succeed right now in this role that you've been in? Yeah, I think uh, part of it is just going to my strengths and knowing who I am. Uh, at the beginning of the year, I was kind of scouting the hitters, trying to f- play too much into their weaknesses, whereas uh, I'm better when I'm playing to my strengths and just kind of saying whoever's in the box, like, um, I'll read swings and whatnot, but like I'll play to my strengths, which is that cutter up and then the change up and curveball down away to righties and then vice versa with lefties. So uh, just kind of scouting myself more and being more like this is my, like you're entering my game kind of thing rather than trying to play to the hitter's game. So that, that's been a mental thing for me. And then just kind of getting crisper with my off speed, my fastball location and uh, feeling good physically. So it's a combination of things, too. You've been a guy, for the most part, two times through and maybe get somewhere through the third time through the lineup. You go seven innings Friday night. What does that do for your confidence moving forward, going 105 pitches, knowing, hey, I can I could be an innings eater, too? Yeah, it's uh, definitely something that's been I've been wanting to prove this year, and I was glad I was able to do it last night. But, uh, yeah, just to be able to go out there and save the bullpen, I feel like I've kind of not left them totally hanging I've gone like five or five plus every time but to be able to go in the seventh maybe even the eighth and ninth that's when you really start saving the pen because those guys have been working their butts off down there and doing a great job so uh, just to be able to be that guy would be awesome so 
got to keep going seven, eight, and uh, I can call myself more of an innings eater. But uh, up to this point, I've kind of been more of the five and dive guy. <laughs> well, yeah, and you've been consistent with that. You, you've gone five innings at least every single time you've gotten the ball this year. Did that give you a little bit of a foundation to build off of, knowing that, look, I, I haven't had one of those days where I was where I was necessarily off. I've always been able to get this team into the middle of the game with a chance. Yeah, um, definitely that's a point of that I've been kind of proud about this season is giving the team a chance to win every time I take the ball. But uh, like you said, and I was really appreciative of Craig and DJ for letting me go out there and kind of figure it out when I was a little fatigued out there in the sixth and seventh to kind of let me work through it and uh, make pitches when I have to. And that's, a, like you said, a big confidence booster going forward. Your mindset change much when you have the run support that you got in Friday night's game where you have a healthy lead does do things change much for you it seems like you're you're pretty consistent either way in terms of your approach and how you want to work yeah it doesn't really change too much because i'm always kind of attack mode and as guys tell you after big innings or whatever go out throw strike one i get ahead so it really doesn't change too much i'm always a guy who uh, i depend upon that first pitch strike a lot um and try to just go out and get an early out so nothing changes too much i will say it, it is nice pitching with a lead you don't have to necessarily worry about make if one mistake here or there won't cost you the game after that so it's just a matter of executing pitches you're into crosswords how how many crossword puzzles a day would you say you do are you just a one a day guy yeah i'm a, I'm a one a day usa today guy for so sure. it's usa today every time there's <laughs> yeah. not like any online site that you go to uh there's an app i do occasionally but i don't i don't like them as much uh they're kind of just one word like mysterious clues that i i like the usa today one that's clear cut not so too you go hard. to the paper uh, I do it on my iPad. Okay. All right. I, I wondered if there was something satisfying about actually sitting down at the paper and doing it in pencil. But uh, you, so you're you're a technology guy. That's fine. That's cool. Um, what's you don't use any resources, right? It's all it's all upstairs. All upstairs. Um, I do do the, like I can't say I do, totally do it on my own because there there's a setting you can put on to, if it, you guess the wrong letter, it'll show you red. So I put that on sometimes and mm-hmm. it like just to save time because I was taking like hour and a half, two hours, and I just don't want to do it for that long you know so i'm more or less cheat a little bit to have like the red letter comes up what do you find that does for you though i mean it's 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 a way to pass the time it's entertaining but but it's yeah. it's an, an exercise of your brain correct? definitely yeah I've, um, i'm big into sudokus too but i find that crosswords kind of work a different part of your brain too like it's more the memory base more kind of learning i learn new words every day and all that so it's it's a cool uh, new way to exercise the brain and i feel like it keeps me sharp a little bit i'm uh i'm able to maintain focus maybe a little bit more in my bullpens and in the game because of it because just having my brain be that much sharper so whatever edge you can have in this game and i guess crosswords can be one you ever do sporkle um i don't i think you should try that yeah what is that it's it's just a it's a trivia app okay but i think you would be good at it oh uh yeah i mean you should give it a try yeah i I might give it a try because i I had that same response to crosswords and maddie albers kept on saying hey you should try crosswords try crosswords and eventually i did and i fell in love with it so i might have to look up sporkle this is a rough segue so bear with me but have you had mockingbird as a word yet on any of your crossword puzzles (laughs) no no mockingbird not that i can think of but uh it's probably coming it's It's probably coming (laughs) Your performance, uh, everybody has been talking. People are still talking about your performance in the video. I think most people listening would know what we're talking about, the reenactment of the Dumb and Dumber scene where they pick up the hitchhiker, and you played the part of Jim Carrey. Uh, How prepared were you for that? Is that something that you've been preparing for your whole life? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Jim Carrey was my comedic idol growing up, so uh, I was always doing his impersonation pretty much every day growing up. Still do it a lot. So when they asked me to do that video, I was like, 
I said, absolutely. Like, I don't know if you guys know, but I've, I work on that impression quite a bit. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, that, that was really fun. Josh and JJ were awesome, too. And it turned out it's really hard to do parodies of comedy uh, successfully, and we pulled it off somehow. It was really funny. And then you got tweeted at by Jim Carrey. Was that a big moment? That was a big, big moment, big bucket list moment for sure. Check that one off the box. I mean, for him, just to know who I am and then to tweet at me like that and give us compliments for parodying his comedy was really, really something else. So got a lot of props in the clubhouse for that one. <laughs> what'd, you, what'd you use to give yourself the chip on the tooth? Uh, I black goo. It was eye black. I was trying to do tape and it wouldn't stay on. So yeah, it was kind of nasty, but it was eye black. <laughs> so you just dealt with the taste and, and, yeah. and battled through. You're a true actor. It's amazing. <laughs> he does his own stunts as well. Brent, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Let's crunch the numbers in Sabermetrics 101. As we go inside the numbers, Jesus Aguilar. I think everybody understands having a big year right now for the crew inserted into the lineup on a more regular basis when Eric Thames went down with the injury at the end of April. And really since that time, Aguilar's been one of the top first basemen in the National League and arguably in Major League Baseball. Let's look at some different numbers. Let's look at war. In May, Aguilar had a .9 war. That was sixth amongst Major League first basemen. He had a .3 so far in June. That was before last night. That went up last night with driving in all three runs and the two-run home run in the first inning that he hit. So he had a .3 war in June. That's up to 12th overall amongst first basemen in Major League Baseball. But again, that, that rising. An 866 OPS for Jesus Aguilar since April 24th. That's essentially when Eric Thames went down with the injury. And again, that number higher now with the performance that he put together on Tuesday and all these numbers before that, when he almost single-handedly uh, carried the Brewers' offense. Jesus Aguilar has established himself as one of the top offensive first basemen in baseball. And if you look at some of the defensive metrics, he's right there as well. Uh, there was a, a tweet um, a couple of, um, about a month ago from uh, ESPN personality, a former ESPN personality, now current ESPN personality, Keith Olbermann, about Aguilar's defense. It was a total judgment call on his part, and it was an uneducated one. Because if you look at the numbers, Aguilar actually has done much more than just hold his own defensively as a first baseman. Really very impressive what Aguilar's been able to do. He's even played some third base. He was back at third base again over the course of this last week at one point. Aguilar has certainly proven to be a very, very valuable part of this team. And just think about this. This was a guy that in spring training, the conversation surrounding Jesus Aguilar was, how will the Brewers hold on to him? How will they find a spot for him? And he, just like he did in 2017, forced his way onto the roster. Now he's forcing his way to stay on this roster. And uh, that's not even a consideration anymore. Jesus Aguilar, big member of the crew's core group of bats that hit in the middle of the lineup. Really impressive stuff. Let's go down to the farm. Checking in on the farm. As we go down on the farm and take a look at the crew, all-star week for many of the Brewers affiliates and for the Class A 
Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, a handful of prospects participating in the Midwest League All-Stars for the West squad. The uh, East squad actually winning that one 3-2 to two in 10 innings. For the Timber Rattlers, Demi Oramoloy started the game in left field. He went one for two. Peyton Henry was a reserve catcher. He went one for one off the bench. And Dylan File came into the contest and pitched two-thirds of an inning, recording a strikeout for the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. We told you about Class A Carolina hosting the All-Star game. That was a 7-6 win for the South. A little bit of a, a comeback for the South. Uh, Four-run bottom of the sixth inning and then holding on 7-6 when it was all said and done. A handful of Mudcat prospects were involved in that one. Tucker Newhouse started the game. He went 0-4 for 4 at second base. Max McDowell started the game throughout a runner. He went 1-2 for 2 at the plate. For Max McDowell, the catcher who uh, will likely not be in Carolina for much longer. Looks like he's going to be moving up to double-A Biloxi. Cam Regner started the game, had a tough first inning, gave up three hits and three earned runs. And, of course, Marcos Deplon got the fifth inning for the Carolina Mudcats, and he worked a scoreless inning, striking out two. We saw that big-time fastball from Marcos Deplon as he was up to 97 miles per hour with his fastball on multiple occasions over the course of of that start. Double A Biloxi was in the All-Star game as well. The South, which was a part of the Shuckers, uh, or the Shuckers were a part of, a 9-5 win over the North, and a bunch of Shuckers were involved in this game. Let's try to get you caught up on all of them that participated. Corey Ray played center field. He led off. He went two for five in the contest. Troy Stokes Jr. batted second. He went 0 for two in left field. Jake Hager started the game at shortstop. He went one for five as well for the Shuckers. On the mound, a handful of Shuckers got opportunities. Thomas Jenkins threw a scoreless inning, gave up just one hit. Zach Brown uh, did not record an out. He gave up a hit in his short outing. John Olzak, two-thirds of an inning, gave up two hits but did not surrender a run. And then the win went to Quentin Torres Costa. He worked an inning, gave up two hits and three earned runs, but he got the win anyway. And then Nate Greep pitched a scoreless final inning uh, as well for the Biloxi Shuckers. So the Shuckers uh, in the south getting that 9-5 win over the north in the Southern League All-Star game. Other affiliates that were in action on Tuesday night, the, the Helena Brewers have started their season. They're now 2-2 two two after losing 3-1 uh, to one to Missoula on Tuesday night. And the Colorado Springs Sky Sox losing to Salt Lake 17-9 the final in Colorado Springs uh, in that one. So the Colorado Springs Sky Sox currently sitting at 37 and 32 overall. Zach Davies did make his first rehab start. He went an inning in two-thirds, gave up three hits and two earned runs in the loss for Colorado Springs. All right, let's jump into it. Joe Arall joining us from the Carolina League All-Star Game. Lane Grindle with you from Five County Stadium. Here is the Carolina Mudcats hosting the 2018 Carolina League All-Star Game, and we're joined by Mudcats manager Joe Arault. And Joe, this is a fun thing for you to be a part of, to be able to host this All-Star Game here at Five County Stadium. You, I bet you're excited for this. Oh, I'm definitely excited. Honored to be a part of it. Uh, you know, to have the roster that we have accumulated throughout the league, the best players in the league. You know, there's a bunch of future big leaguers on this roster right now, so I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's go through the guys from the Mudcats that are a part of this roster for the South Squad uh, tonight. Uh, let's start with Cam Regner. What a year he's put together. 
did you see this coming and, and what what has helped him achieve this kind of success? I mean, he's a very confident guy, very competitive. I mean, how he goes and attacks hitters, fearlessly attacks the zone, but uh, leading the league in ERA, very dominant and also a great teammate. He's one of those guys in the clubhouse. He, he keeps the guys gelled together, cheerleader when he's not pitching. So he's a guy, when he's out there, you're always rooting for him and he's putting up great numbers right now. At this level, you'll piggyback guys sometimes. There's other guys you can let go a little bit. He's I think today's his birthday, actually, so he's yep. 25 years old. So is that a guy you can trust and let him go a little bit longer in a game? 100%. I mean, he's a guy, I mean, he'll definitely give you an honest opinion. He's been around a while, and he knows he knows his arm, knows his body. So when he's coming off the mound every inning, you can ask him, how you feeling? He's good. I'm, i got more in the tank. So he's he's very open and honest, And uh, but he's a competitor. He always wants the ball every fifth day. If you will, break down his stuff and how it plays, in your opinion. I just love the mix. I mean, he can, he can attack the zone with his fastball, breaking ball, and changeup. You know, in any count, he's confident in all his pitches. So he's a guy that and knows knows the hitters, knows the uh, heat map charts, stuff, how to attack hitters. He retains information well. So it's kind of a perfect storm. You got a, a smart guy on the mound with good stuff, and he knows how to attack. And then Max McDowell, who he's going to be pitching to tonight to open up the game, has had a tremendous year behind the plate. He's one of the top catchers in minor league baseball in terms of catching guys stealing and he's actually going to be on his way to double a after this game so i know you're going to be sorry to see him go from that standpoint but happy for him at the same time yeah he he seems like it's a great student of the game really understands how to catch yeah he's a guy i'm super excited to, to see him getting the move up to double a well deserved but a great feel for max behind the plate he's uh pitchers are his priority I mean, he knows the pitcher's strengths, weaknesses, also the uh, opposing teams. He's looking at the uh, heat maps, the charts. He also retains information well and uh, very quick and accurate with his throws. I mean, has good feel, you know, as far as when guys are going, blocking, receiving, and throwing. He's having a great year and uh, also come up with some big hits for us as well. Yeah, we always talk about development uh, all throughout the, the process, whether you're in the Pioneer League or the Midwest League or the Carolina League and on up. And we tend to look at guys' numbers at the plate or maybe what a guy's doing on the mound. The catching part of it and, and all of the development that's there, you just mentioned a bunch of the stuff, whether it's looking at charts and getting everything uh, down and understood so you can call the best game that you possibly can, throwing guys out, controlling the running game. That's, that's a huge part of it. And a lot of guys, when you first get them as professionals, they haven't done all of that stuff. Yeah. It, it, it's, there's a lot to developing a catcher, isn't oh, there? Oh, for sure. I mean, he comes from a good catching background. When he was younger, you know, worked with some good guys, went to UConn, you know, good tutelage there. And then when he came into the game, very advanced for this level. And just how he retains information, you tell him the little things, he retains it well. Charlie Green, our field coordinator, also does our catching. You know, comes into town, works with him, and, and Max is one of the better guys as far as retaining information and applying it into the game. So he's a good student of the game, quality player, and uh, been honored to have him the last year and a half. Another player that's going to be in the Carolina League All-Star game is Tucker Newhouse, who plays all over the field. We had a chance to talk to him. He is all smiles. This guy really enjoys just he being does. at the ballpark, doesn't he? He does. I mean, he's one of those guys as a manager. You watch him. He's uh, he's like a kid out there playing. I joke with him. The days he's going to play shortstop, I'm like, hey, you ready to feel like a kid again? Because the uh, first time I put him out there at shortstop, he, after the game, he goes, man, I feel like a kid out there. So now it's our joke. Whenever I know he's going to play short, I kind of give him a little heads up the night before. Are you ready to be a kid tomorrow? So it's our code word for playing short. But he's played all four infield positions, played the outfield, and uh, just free-spirited kid gets out there, plays hard, no fear. You know, he's he's a baseball player. Love love having him on our squad. He's a well put together kid. Is there more in there? For oh, him? definitely, definitely. I mean, he's 23 years old. I think he, uh, 
just turned 23 yesterday. So you got the two birthday boys on the all-star squad. But uh, yeah, he's one of those guys. He's He's hit, been hit by the injury bug in the past. So this year he's staying healthy. That's the one thing. Stay healthy, stay strong, and finish his year off on a good note because uh, he's a guy for me. You can put him anywhere on the field. He could catch if I needed him to. So. Marco Stiplon, another member of this Carolina League All-Star game representing the Mudcats in tonight's game. And Marco's a guy that at the end of 2016 got a taste of high A, then was with you all of last year. And it seems like over the last month or so, maybe a little bit longer than that, he's really turned a corner and starting to pitch at a really high level. What have you seen that's helped him find that next year? Uh, biggest thing for me is consistency. I mean, he's got the stuff. I mean, fastball plus slider, you know, change-ups really come along. He's uh, tinkered around a little bit with the curveball. But uh, big thing for me, too, is uh, he and uh, Freddie Peralta, you know, pretty much came in together. Both they came over uh, a couple years ago. They were always roommates hanging together. And to see Freddie make his yeah. major, league de major league debut not too long ago, I think that put a little fuel on his fire saying, hey, that's my boy. He's up in the big league. So it's always good to see one of your peers that you came up with get their shot in the big leagues. It's also a little shot of adrenaline for him to uh, hopefully keep going. And I'm excited to say he's moving up to double A as well right after the game. How fun is it for you? I mean, you talk about Freddie Peralta. I was here about a year ago at this time. You and I are talking. You're getting ready, basically, to say goodbye to Freddie Peralta because he was going to move up to Double A at that point in time. How fun is it for you to sit back and watch those guys move quick and have the success that they've had? Oh, I love it. I mean, that's just the that's the rewarding part about our job is to see guys uh, see it click for them, see them take off, get hot, make their major league debuts, and then the guys that stick in the major leagues. It's that's very rewarding for us as coaches and, uh, and the scouts. Our scouts have done a heck of a job with the guys. Our system, you know, we're thick right now with prospects, and it's a great place to be right now in the Milwaukee organization. You're probably as good as anybody to ask about that glut of prospects that the Brewers have. You had a ton of them last year here. Those guys are having a great year in AA oh, yeah. with the Shuckers, and you're, you've said goodbye to some good ones already this year. Keston here, you just talked about Marcos, Max McDowell. You have to be really excited about a couple of years from now, so many of these guys are going to be pushing the envelope to the big league club. Oh, definitely. I mean, I was, as a player, I was with the Braves organization, and we were loaded in the early 90s, mm -hmm. you know, coming up. We started winning a lot in the minor league levels, and that carried over to the major league levels. And, I, you know, they pick up a couple of good free agent guys and, you know, in the pitching staff, and then all of a sudden they took off and had a lot of success in the 90s, you know, and I could see that the Brewers being like that too, you know, with all the prospect, young prospects we have coming up. I mean, the prospects we traded to get Yelich, you know, you get a key player like that in your lineup and you see the, the uh, success they're having in the major league level right now. It's an exciting time. One last thing, Joe, this ballpark, this place, the Carolina Mudcats, this is your second year here, second year that the Mudcats have been affiliated with the organization. Of course, you were with the Brevard County Manatees before that, uh, managing the Brewers high A team in the Florida State League. What does this place mean to you? It, it, this place really embraces minor league baseball. Oh, I love it. I mean, it's our front office here, Joe Kramer, Eric Gardner do a heck of a job. And the fact that we know the Brewers own it now, it's our affiliate. You know, we have some stability here in the Carolina League. It's a great league. Travel's not too bad. And this ballpark's unreal. I mean, the Jumbotron, their front office, how they run the games and their videos, the pregame, you know, motivational videos fires the guys up. Playing surface, John Packer, our ground screw guy, does a heck of a job with the field. So it's a it's a great place to pull in, drive in, walk into the clubhouse and know what kind of field you're playing on that night. It's a great place to be. Well, Joe, we appreciate it. Thanks so much for the time. You got it. Thanks for having me. Joe Aralt, the manager of the Carolina Mudcats with us here from the Carolina League All-Star Game at Five County Stadium here in Zebulon, North Carolina. I'm Lane Grinnell for Brewers on Tap TV. Here's what's on tap.
Our thanks to Joe Aralt, the manager of the Carolina Mudcats, for joining us on Brewers on Tap. Some good stuff from him. It's been a really interesting year and a good, solid year so far for so many Brewers prospects. All right, as we continue from the airport here, let's take a look at what's on tap. It's a full weekend of NL Central rivalry uh, this week as the Brewers hosting the St. Louis Cardinals for four games. That's Thursday, June 21st through Sunday the 24th. And, of course, it's kind of a Missouri week because then after that, you've got the Kansas City Royals coming in town for Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. So make sure that you check that all out. Thursday, the Cardinals 7-10. Friday, the Cardinals at 7-10. Saturday, it's a 3-10 start. Sunday, it's a 1-10. Oh, by the way, there's that Orlando Arcia, Ryan Braun, Gauntlet, Bobblehead giveaway. All fans get that, courtesy of Blue Jay Solutions. You can check out the complete schedule and reserve your tickets today at Brewers.com. That is going to do it for us in this week's edition of Brewers on Tap. Thank you for joining us. Next week we'll be from Miller Park. It might be a little, well, hopefully it's not much more quiet than the airport has been. Thank you for being with us. I'm Lane Grimble. Brewers, Brewers, Brewers. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion. Team.